There is a documentary that has started. It started showing last night on uh, TSN. It's been on CTV. It's playing on ESPN down in the States. It was it was produced by ESPN. It's called OJ Made in America. It is a eight-hour total story about OJ Simpson. It is, you would think that you probably knew everything about it, but then you start reading the reviews on this. Let me give you just a taste of what the reviewers are saying about this. Los Angeles Times said, historically meticulous, thematically compelling, and deeply human, OJ Made in America is a masterwork of scholarship, journalism, and cinematic art. The New York Magazine, OJ Made in America, I guarantee you right now is going to blow your mind. It will be the only thing this country is going to be talking about the whole week. Well, that may not be true, but um, OJ is massive, but never sprawling, passionate, but never unfair, informative, but never anything but compulsively entertaining and on and on and on. The reviews, those are actually the less glowing reviews. Some of them, I mean, the the person who wrote, the reviewer who wrote it uh, began convulsing. He was in so much uh, excitement about what he was writing. This, This is getting remarkable, remarkable press. But it's not the first sports documentary to get this. There's been so many of them. Think back, When We Were Kings, Hoop Dreams, Murder Ball, Pumping Iron, one of my favorites, The Battered Bastards of Baseball. Great documentary. And then there's the whole series of 30 for 30 documentaries that ESPN commissioned. So why have sports documentaries been such a rich vein of material and why have they been executed so well? Well, Chris Zelkovich of Yahoo Sports Media Writer joins us now to try and answer this question. I don't know if he can do it, uh, but we're going to try him anyway. And uh, Chris, how are you tonight? Uh, very good, Scott. Yourself? I'm, I'm great, uh, but I'm baffled by this because there are tons of great topics in the world as a whole, and yet sports seems to bring out, more often than not, many of the best documentaries, or at least a consistency in great documentaries. What's the secret behind this? Well, I think basically you've just got some phenomenally good stories there. I mean, uh, you know, every sport uh, produces, you know, fantastic stories, rags to riches, riches to rags, uh, you know, human tragedies, Greek tragedies. Uh, it really, you know, it's as rich as any any subject out there. So, um, you know, it's not surprising that when they're really well done, um, they really do make uh, make for some great viewing. Are athletes really, though, and I don't disagree with what you're saying, I think there's a lot to that, but are athletes really that much more fascinating than the average human? Um, well, probably, uh, you know, overall, no. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, in a lot of cases, probably a lot less interesting. I think, uh, you know, I think we've both experienced the, uh, the really great athletes quite often are so one-dimensional, uh, you know, which is what they've had to be become great that they're really not very interesting people at all but but you know for every uh boring guy who makes it to the top there's uh you know the rudy or uh, uh you know the guy who who comes out of nowhere and you know it, it just you know the, the 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 field is just sort of ripe for great stories to be created i mean if these documentaries were simply um, you know, uh, Babe Ruth and how he hit his 714 home runs. Well, that's boring. I mean, you know, it's not all that interesting. But but these are human stories. And uh, when you bring in the uh, the element of high-level sport, it just it does add a little bit more to it. Now, that said, I don't know, uh, you know, if, if there are more great sports documentaries than there are more great war documentaries, news documentaries, and that kind of thing. But I think we just tend to notice them more because 
they're you know we follow sports. Well, and I think that Chris, honestly, I mean, maybe it's the thirty for thirty that started this, but it seems as though there are it's a newer. Uh, field and there's a lot more sports documentaries that are coming out. It seems these days. I mean, for every uh, making a murderer, which was you know again terrific documentary work, there seems to be two or three that are coming out about something in sports. Yeah, well, I think uh, it, it's sort of. Uh, I mean, I, I don't. I don't think they're profit makers for the most part. Uh, they're fairly expensive to uh, produce, <clears throat> and generally, the sports documentaries, except for the really top ones, don't really draw huge ratings. But I think in a lot of ways they're similar to uh, Sports Center and Sportsnet Central, the news shows, which the, the sports channels invest a lot of money in for really a small amount of viewers comparative to, to the, you know, the big ticket items. But that's sort of their, their claim to legitimacy. In other words, we, we, are, we are the guys who bring you the news. And uh, we'll, we'll invest a lot of money in it, even if it's a loss. And I think in a, a lot of cases, that's it with documentaries, too, because uh, it's, it's an indication that they, uh, you know, that there's some quality work being done there. Well, that's the other part about it, because, I mean, to your point, and, and again, I agree with you that there are great nuggets of stories here that you can start to build upon and make a great and, and build a great narrative. But it seems that more often than not, too, the execution is there. And that's where I think it gets separated, because there are a lot of documentaries that are out there that you would say, wow, that's a fantastic storyline to follow. And then you watch it and you go, yeah, not done really well. But for whatever reason, and I don't know whether it's the early storytellers that did the 30 for 30s early on or whatever developed the, the formula, but it seems that these ones are almost always very well executed. Yeah, and I, I think it's just that, uh, well, in this case, ESPN has made the decision to uh, to invest a lot of money. I mean, they had some pretty high-profile uh, directors doing some of that stuff. And it's been done here, too, uh, for the 100th Grey Cup. Uh, TSN actually uh, enlisted some very high-profile movie directors from Canada to, to produce uh, some documentary series on the Grey Cup. So <clears throat> I think it's... Um, if you know, if you're willing to put the money into it, you'll generally get a pretty good product out of it. Yeah, I mean, Hamilton, Sean Menard. For people who uh, don't know Sean, he's he's an up and coming documentarian, and he did one that was played repeatedly last spring about the '94 Expos that uh, they played a bunch of times. Yeah. It was based on the uh, their first uh, when they brought them out for the game at the Big O. And you look at that, and you go, you know, not a big budget. Uh, certainly not a guy with a long, long track record, but still, a, you know, a, f- a fantastic piece and, is, and gripping and compelling. And, you know, all these ones that I watch, I, I just, I keep thinking to myself, like, if this was the, if this was going on in every other facet of, of society, if we had this many great documentaries about the entertainment industry or about uh, politics or about anything, I mean, it would, they're just tremendous behind the scenes looks at things that we didn't even really necessarily consider that deeply before. No, exactly, and I, I, you know, I think, <clears throat> I mean, I think there are an awful lot of, I, I just watched one recently, uh, uh, a little behind the times, but the Anderson Cooper's, the story of he and his mother, mm. uh, Gloria Vanderbilt. Yep. I mean, what a fantastic piece of work that was. Um, yeah, and so, I mean, there's, there's plenty of great documentaries out there, <clears throat> and I think one of the reasons you're seeing, you know, whether they're entertainment, sports, uh, news, uh, so many more documentaries as there are just so many more channels. Mm. And they need they need content, so it's been it's been a boom for for viewers that way. That you know we're now getting to see a lot of this stuff that uh, probably twenty years ago 
you know wouldn't have been produced for the sports ones how much of it how much of an assist is it for the networks that presumably a lot of the people who will tune in already are familiar with the subject matter well i mean i guess that makes it a slightly easier story to tell um but I think the big thing is that, well, for example, we'll just take the OJ one. Uh, I think, I mean, everybody knows the story, and it's 20 years, hasn't it been? Yeah, no. n- uh, 94 was yeah, when so the uh, chase was, okay, I believe. 22 years, yeah. Uh, it still captures the public's imagination. Um, actually, there's an interesting uh, uh, side bit to that. I, I, I managed to get the, the audience numbers, and, and this I quite find quite, quite puzzling. In the U.S., uh, the the premiere on Saturday night, ABC uh, had like 3.6 million viewers, uh, which is not a not a huge number, but it was it was the most watched thing of the night. But Saturday night's uh, pretty dead on American television. Um, on CTV and TSN, the same night it drew 671. Well, that's you know proportionately that's almost twice as many viewers, right? If you take the yeah. 10, 10 to one, so it actually was more popular in Canada than it was in the United States, and I'm, I'm a bit baffled by that, to be honest with you. Well, but, I wonder how many people honestly look at this and say it's on in five parts. I'll wait till it comes out on Netflix, because usually these 30 for 30s get, in yeah. the American Netflix, they get dumped on there. So I can wait a week or two weeks, and it'll be there, and I can just sit down and watch the whole thing in one stretch. Yeah, and then you can also watch it online. So there's, there's gonna be, there, there obviously is a huge amount of interest, which, again, amazes me, considering that this year they had the uh, dramatic series on the OJ mm-hmm. thing, which also did well. So, anyway, I guess you can't get enough OJ. <laughs> well, let's, uh, let, I mean, yeah, uh, maybe you can. I, back, you know what, back in 94, 95, I really felt like we had had all the OJ we could handle, but apparently a little water goes under the bridge and we're all set to go for another round. Exactly, yeah. Uh, let's jump uh, to something else just very quickly, because I know this is a, a topic near and dear to your heart. You write about it often. Um, we saw a remarkable uh, performance in Canadian golf on the weekend. Uh, Brooke Henderson winning the LPGA, yep. PGA Championship. It was a, a comeback, come from behind, victory, compelling television. I mean, honestly, it was. It was yeah. uh, to come back from three strokes down. Now, you do, as well as writing about her and about golf, you do something on Yahoo Sports called the Great Canadians Rating Report each right. week, and it lists the top things that people in this country watched. Jays are doing well. Stanley Cup championship game, the final game, did number did, did reasonably well. I think it was the number one thing, actually, that yeah, was yeah, watched. By, by quite a bit. Yeah. Not on the list, and I think you had 24, the top 24 listed. Not on the list was the final round of Brooke Henderson's championship yeah. win. Why? Well, it's because it's the LPGA, and very little LPGA gets on mainstream television. So it was on the Golf Channel. Um, the Golf Channel is an American channel, although it's distributed in Canada, and, and uh, no ratings are tracked in this country for it. So if anybody was watching, um, and I'm, I assume a fair number were watching, but, I, you know, we have no idea. Um, and this is part of a deal that got made a few years back where TSN used to, used to carry a lot of the LPGA stuff, and then the Golf Channel won the deal and basically uh, shut TSN out except for things like the U.S. Open and the... Uh, the uh, masters and stuff like that. So yeah, no, it's. Uh, I mean, who knows how many people watched? <laughs> uh, you know, it could have been a hundred thousand. It could have been three hundred thousand. We'll, we'll sadly, we'll never know. Do you believe though that she? We were talking about this on the show the other night. Do you believe that she has the capability as a 
Canadian sports icon that she's developing into, that she could be a TV draw. We know when Mike Weir won the Masters, I mean, obviously the Masters itself became a huge event that year. There was a big number. But then afterwards, Mike Weir became, well, if Mike's in the running, in the running, in the hunt, we got to tune in. Could, could Brooke Henderson with the LPGA ever become that? I, I don't think she could reach that level because the difference between the PGA and the LPGA is just huge. Uh, I mean, the, the LPGA just doesn't have the, the reach, the, uh, the attraction that the PGA does. Uh, I, I personally, I don't think it's fair. Uh, I mean, I've been, uh, you know, quite fascinated by some of these LG, LPGA tournaments, even the ones where Brooke Henderson isn't uh, in, in contention because the, you know, the competition is great. But uh, it's, um, you know, it just hasn't been able to crack the mainstream. Uh, in fact, I, I think it's probably fallen a lot from where it was of 25 years ago, <clears throat> um, probably because there's so little American content now that, uh, you know, it's most, most of the stars are from, from Asia. And uh, I think it's just uh, sort of faded, uh, you know, from the, from the uh, consciousness of the average American. And unfortunately, since that's where we get our, our LPGA uh, uh, TV from, it, uh, it really gets, uh, you know, bad time slots and, and on a channel that a lot of people don't get. So how does she then, as a, again, as an up-and-coming Canadian star, how does she break through if it's going to be really difficult for her to get any kind of significant mainstream television time? Well, I think what she needs to do, and I wouldn't be surprised if she did it, and that's become number one. Uh, you know, uh, she's she's close now. She's uh, almost just a few dollars behind the number two spot, and uh, you know she's only eighteen years old. Um, so I, I mean, I, if she reached number one, I think you would see a, a, a pretty big bump in uh, interest. Unfortunately, as far as television goes, we'll we never really know because. It's on the Golf Channel, and nobody knows how many Canadians are watching that. But would there be, do you think there would be the interest that a TSN or a Sportsnet or whomever else would start to put more heat on or try to do something with the Golf Channel to say, listen, if, I mean, if she's in the running on the final yeah. day, can we, can we strike a deal somehow for Canada that we can get this? Or, or, again, do they look back and they say, you know, even with Brooke Henderson, the LPGA just doesn't draw the numbers? No, I think with Brooke Henderson in this country, I think they, it would draw the numbers. It would draw certainly draw enough numbers to make it worth their while. It would just be a matter of whether or not they could strike a deal with the Golf Channel. Um, and they have, they have had some deals with the Golf Channel, so I don't think that's beyond, uh, beyond the realm of possibility. Um, so I think, I think we may get to see, finally get to see Brooke Henderson on TSN or Sportsnet or wherever she may land up. Because it's really, you know, it's going to be really interesting. This is an Olympic uh, summer, and you have to believe that Brooke Henderson winning this would put her in the running, certainly for Female Athlete of the Year in this country, and maybe even for the Lou Marsh Award. Uh, although often someone does something at the Olympics when every eyeball is on them that wins that over, and I wonder how much that will hurt her. That we, you know, we don't really know the numbers, but apparently not that many people probably would have seen her do this. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's something that's just a reality. But, uh, I mean, I think already she's probably the number one candidate for Female Athlete of the Year in the Lou Marsh Award. Uh, if she wins a medal in uh, Rio, I think... Uh, well, yeah, and that's that's one of... I mean, that that probably is going to be her, I would guess, her shot to perform with the most number of people watching, you would think. If she's in the oh. running for the last round, surely oh, yeah. the Canadian broadcaster is going to be all over that. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that, you know that's uh, going to be on CBC, so uh, they would definitely be uh, you know giving that uh, top priority if she's in the running for sure. They're not going to do what they did in the Pan Am Games with the women's basketball. <laughs> no, this is the Olympics, <laughs> not the Pan Am Games. <laughs> Chris Selkovich from Yahoo Sports. You can read his stuff online all the time. It's always fantastic, and uh, we appreciate having him here. Chris, thanks for doing this tonight. Always fun, Scott.